Hey guys, welcome back to the Girls Gone Wild podcast. Thank you so much for resubscribing and joining us again. I hope you're enjoying these episodes we have on the podcast. JK McLeod, we had you back on our first relaunch episode, which was lovely and such a perfect way to kind of do our relaunch because I love our discussions. So thank you so much for taking the time to come back with us on the Girls Gone Wild podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, as always, humbled to be back. So I appreciate being here. I really wish that we could do a YouTube series because JK and I seem to have this theme going, except I missed the mark. I missed the memo today. Is JK always has these awesome... (laughs) t-shirts on last time he had an yomtv raps t-shirt and i had a britney spears t-shirt and when we came on the zoom we were like oh my gosh look how cool you are and then today he has on a whitney houston t-shirt and it's pretty epic yeah so i'm ready to go how about you always okay always um first of all how have you been let's just start there how are you doing you know thanks for asking i am doing i am doing well I recently have been thinking about trying to get away from the whole like life is busy sort of thing. And I can't remember where I picked this up, but somebody said, start, start rating your day. Like when somebody asks you how things are going, do like the seven out of 10, eight out of 10, whatever. Mm -hmm. See if you can get a conversation started. So that's what I've started doing. So things are well, I'd say today's been about an eight out of 10 so far. I really love the rating scale. And then what do you do with that rating scale? So what's kind of funny is then you can assess, did that person really care how your day was going? (laughs) Because if they didn't (laughs) care, then they pretty much are just like, oh, okay, interesting. But if they do care, then it kind of gets a conversation started and then it opens things up as opposed to kind of the, you know, just random kind of small talk to fill space. Just like the small talk of going, yeah, I'm good. And you're like, yeah, but are you good? So an eight out of 10 makes me think that things are going pretty well for you today. Yeah, Not a they, lot of hiccups, they are. but what would get you to a 10? What would oh, a 10 man. day would be like That's going a- to a favorite restaurant or what, what, what is like a 10 out of 10? You're on a beach somewhere. <laughs> what would that be? <laughs> so right now I'd say it's an eight out of 10. If I'm going to end it on a 10 out of 10, I'd say that I finish the day out doing a little bit of reading, spending some time with my wife and my kids arrive back home safely, hit the bed, good to go. Like so, that'll like, close out my day as a Great. Time. So, okay, perfect. So that's just like, you're looking at it from within just that 24 hours. You're not yeah. thinking, okay, I like that too. Cause it's, I, I have a weird thing. Do you do this with scales where you never give a 10 because you're like, well, uh, it could always be better. You know, it's so, I hate that because let's take, let's take a very silly example, but Peloton. So whenever I take a class, they give you the option at the end to rate the music, rate the instructor, rate, you know, there's like four categories you can rate. And then you can rate how intense the class was. And I never give it a 10. (laughs) And I feel psychologically it's because, well, did I not give it my all out? Or was it really not a 10 difficulty? I've yet to give a class a 10. I gave one class a nine. Tough customer. But I feel that that is not a fair rating, though, because I, I think that that, is more to me, that has more to do with me, the rater, than the actual And the instructor, yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, I think, it, so my ratings always go based on how I'm feeling at that time, and I try to keep it really super simple, just because there's just way too many things to think about. So how yeah, do I feel? I, that's why right I like talking time. to you because you just go. like to keep things simple. <laughs> You're just like, 
I, I do. I just had a conversation with somebody today. <laughs> so side note with what I do with health and fitness, I focus a lot on what we call like neurotypes. So personality types. And I was having a conversation with an individual who has a personality type that really thrives on chaos. Like they thrive on it. So they are the person that when things are going crazy, they are the person you want to go to because they will put the team on their back and they will lead them through because they thrive on chaos. But on the flip side, when the world is in chaos, sometimes they feel like it's not enough. One person may look at it and be like, you've got to be kidding. Like this situation is crazy. And meanwhile, they're like, yeah, on the crazy scale, this is about a five out of 10. So I feel like I need to inject more chaos. And so we were having this conversation about like, you know, sometimes it's okay to keep it simple. The world will be chaotic enough. You don't need to help it. Like just, just go with the flow and keep things pretty simple for now. The, the chaos will come. No need to like contribute to it. The chaos will come. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that's kind of just like this fallacy that we hold where we're like, what Brene Brown would always say about beating vulnerability to the punch, where we, if our lives are going okay, then we automatically have to be like, well, when's the other shoe going to drop? Trying to think that's when anxiety comes in. So what you're really talking about, too, is just being staying present and just trying to go with the flow of yeah. what life brings us. Easier said than done, but it really is all we can do. It's all you can do. True. Keep it simple. <laughs> True. At some point, there are going to be things that are just 100% out of our control. Yeah. So yeah. for right now, in order to maintain some level of sanity, and then be prepared for when something might happen, especially yeah. with kids, you just, there's only so much you can do in the moment. Right. Yeah. And get like perspective. Um, yeah. Okay. So back to the thing on how you're doing, you're yes. into rating your day. Is there anything else that you wanted to say about, because we kind of went off on a tangent about the rating scale, which I thoroughly enjoyed, but I just <laughs> want to make sure I didn't cut you off. <laughs> no, it's just, uh, it's just one of my personal development projects right now is working on, working on uh, responding with like a rating and then just using that as a way to just have checkpoints during the day on how things are going. Cause I think it's really super easy. You know, when somebody asks you, how are things going to think of the moment, the, the biggest like thing that's happened and let that be the gauge of whether you're having a good day or a bad day. But at the end of the day, it's potentially like a blip, but it feels energy wise, like the big thing that's happening. So right. it's just a, again, these are all like somewhat strategies to try and, maintain my energy. <laughs> I just got, I have to. Yeah. And it, you're, you're big on, you're big on self development mm -hmm. and goals. I guess, what is the mission for you? Do you have like a personal mission statement of why you do that? Consciously? Oh, now that's, that's, that's far too organized, a personal mission statement. That's far okay. too organized for me. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, I've done a lot of listening around passion and purpose, like that whole that whole idea. And even in listening to um, the most most recent episode, I think it was, or maybe two episodes ago, the second one with mom, Sandy, mm -hmm. around like manifesting and things like that, which yeah. quite honestly, I really appreciate that you all did that episode because I am among the camp that at first, when I hear the term, it wasn't something that I really latched onto because I did. Most of the examples that were thrown my way were among the, like the woo woo crowd. Sure. And I, that's not, that's not something that I immediately connect with. Right. So it was good to kind of get that perspective. But overall, 
my mission, my focus is really besides like the obvious, which I feel like the obvious is when you're a parent, your children are a major focus and something that provides that purpose for you. But at the end of the day, I just want to try and impact people. Like that's that's just the thing that I want to do. That's... Just trying to impact. And it's gonna it looks different. Everybody does it differently, but that's just yeah. what I want to try to do. Yeah, I think that's really what a lot of people end up coming to. I recently mm. read an article that basically said happiness and purpose is what you come to in your 40s, meaning mm. in your 20s and 30s, I think you're in that building stage, but in your 40s you stop going, which I don't know if you had this experience. Because we're both 40 and change. Is that what you said? 40 and change? 40 plus tax. 40 plus tax. <laughs> yeah, 40 plus tax. <laughs> I like 40 and change. 40 plus tax. That's really That works cute. too. So we're both 40 plus tax. And what I struggled with probably in my mid 30s into 40, let's say, I struggled with never feeling super clear on goals anymore. And I think it was because what this article was saying, which was basically like, okay, in your 20s and 30s, you're really just trying to build your life and your goals are just very, very concrete. You go to school. I mean, I get, I'm talking about like the traditional goals, right? I'm right. not talking, I right. mean, there's always exceptions, but that you're kind of in that trying to build and, and establish your life. And once you hit your 40s, you're settled, quote unquote, settled, your goals change. And what you then focus on is the midlife point when you do start to think more about your mortality. Not to say that we're on death's door by any means, but I think we do think about, well, gosh, I'm kind of like if I, you know, God willing, live till I'm 80, 85, then what do I want to do with the next half of my life? Which feels so weird to say, because I still feel like I'm 25, but I know a lot of 50, 60, 70 year olds feel that way too. I don't think that ever goes away. So I think what we come to is like, okay, so then how do I want to leave my mark on this world? And I talk about that with Claire all the time. It's like my biggest fear is I die and just nothing happens. And I'm just like a memory, like, or, or mm. not a memory, but like that my life meant nothing type of thing. I think we all kind of fear that in some way. I found that really interesting of how the middle age is when you really start to solidify. But I, I liked that it kind of gave a voice to what I was struggling with over the years of like, why can't I feel the same way about the goals that are, why aren't they as clear? And I just wonder if you felt that too. Yeah. I think that something that's that's been helpful for me has been being raised in a family where there was always some example of a lasting impact, like the legacy that was left uh, primarily by my grandparents. So my grandfather's on both side. Uh, my grandmother's on both side, one of, uh, one of which is still living in her mid nineties. So the legacy that they have left both my grandmother who's living and then my grandparents who've passed away. And then, um, even specifically one uncle and one aunt, like they all have left these legacies and not a single one of them was like the loud, you know, in your face, I'm here sort of person. Everyone who speaks of them, number one speaks highly of them. And it's not like the revisionist history thing. It is 
statements and stories and anecdotes about, you know, it's funny, I was just reading something that my uncle had written, my late uncle who passed away. And um, there was a note that somebody had left in a book that he wrote. So he wrote a book uh, before his passing called Habits of Achievement. And it was this speech that he used to give to the incoming freshman class at Washington University where he worked. And one of the students in that particular book, as a memory, had written this story about how he, they called him Dean McLeod. So how Dean McLeod always, if they stopped him on the way to class, he would take his time and talk to them and made them feel like they were the most important person in the world. And I remember when my wife and I got married, one of my friends who had never met my uncle a day in her life, ever, ever, ever met him. She said the same exact thing. And she said, I've never come across somebody who made my job feel like it was the most important thing going on. Like He showed more interest in my job than anybody ever has before. So it's just having examples like that to bring it back to the the point, having examples like that, I think helps to kind of create or make it okay that a legacy or impact, I should say, isn't something that necessarily has to be something that you're going to know is happening right in the moment. It's something where you're not doing it specifically, you know, what do they say? Like, do it for the cause, not applause or whatever it is. Right. You're not like, you're not waking up every day being like, okay, I'm going to leave a mark by doing that. You know, you're just genuinely acting from a place of love and caring. Yeah. Yeah. You're just, you're just doing your thing. And, and you say love and caring. And I know that looks very different to different people. Sometimes I think that can, again, look different to different people. But I think at the end of the day, when you speak to kind of the whole idea of as we as we go further and further on the 30 plus tax 40 plus tax range i think that we just realize that we want to to have a life that means something and impact other people like i think that's what we want to do and so i i think what's important there too is to flip it like make sure that we let people know if they're impacting us cuz just as we're having this conversation, somebody out there is having this conversation in their head and might not be blessed enough to have somebody else that they can have this conversation with. And they're thinking that they're not impacting somebody. So the, there's there's been a lot of talk amongst my circles of kind of like, give people their flowers now, like stop waiting mm-hmm. until like this crazy thing has happened or stop waiting until they've passed, like give them their flowers now. That's something I just talked to my dad about. I, we're about really just no longer waiting. Like if there's something you want to say to somebody, just say it. Just say it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I have a feeling I would just want to sit and listen to your dad and your grandparents (laughs) (laughs) just talk. They seem to have a lot of wisdom. And I know you had your dad on your podcast, Help Me Understand, which is really good too. Yeah. And it's uh, both my dad and and my mom. My dad's uh, definitely the more outwardly vocal of the two like he's i mean he's not super vocal but he's the more outwardly vocal of the two regardless like both of them it's it's a great example of like for the you know for the people who are out there responsible for other people in some way shape or form whether you're a teacher or training people or whatever it may be like my relationship with my parents is definitely an example of like don't give up like at some point like they are listening to you at some point like your your kids your students your coworkers your employees like your, whoever it is 
the people that you're trying to help, they are paying attention. You just may not see it until they're 40 plus tax, you know? So yeah, it's kind of like planting, we call that planting the seed in therapy. It's very much like a planting the seed mentality. Very much so. Yeah, for sure. Talking a little bit more about, let's transition over to your podcast of the Help Me Understand podcast, which Mm -hmm. if you listeners haven't checked it out yet, please do. It's really great. I love the discussions that you have. And I so much respect the perspectives you have around just coming into conversations with just help me understand this, help me understand these topics. And the reason that I think it's that I connect with it on such a deep level is because I have a really hard time (laughs) with uh, not wanting to sometimes rip people's head off because I'm just like, how can you, how can you do this? You know, and especially because in like the last four or five years, or let's say five years, uh, especially Claire and I got a lot of heat for talking politics or whatever it was that we were really passionate about. And I think what I came to realize is we can be passionate about things, but we still need to understand everybody. And that's what I, I guess, kind of learned from all of that. And it was very difficult because there's a part of me that's like, but why don't people see this? So I think the discussion that we wanted to focus on today was having listeners submit things that they're either struggling with to understand or topics that they're trying to understand about maybe people in their life. Uh, just overall. So one of the themes I want to start with was definitely, it's a hot topic, but JK and I are are going to take it a little more general just because we can't assume everybody's life, was about about the vaccine. It's very controversial. So people are like, help me understand why people judge people who don't get a vaccine. Help me understand, I don't know, like anything around the vaccine, whether you don't get a vaccine and you're hated or you do get a vaccine and you're you don't understand why people don't get a vaccine. And then people are like, well, why are you hating on me? There's just so many camps around that. What we were kind of talking about offline was, I think the bigger theme, and I want to hear from you first, is the bigger theme is how do we, on such a very deep personal level, talk about these big things, which I don't think are new. I think all of these things have existed within us for years. And these issues have been going on for a long time. But it brought it to the forefront, and now we have to face it, and now we have to really deal with our own crap. So, But I want to hear what your thoughts are around that. Yeah, so there's there's a few different angles, obviously, to this one. And I think you're right. I mean, this this is definitely, I don't, I don't even think it's, I think hot topic is probably an understatement. And I think it will just continue, you know, <laughs> there will continue to be logs thrown on this particular fire, especially as I think one of the things that helps me process when comments are coming my way on both sides of the issue is understanding that we are now at a point where whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated is now going to affect your livelihood and your ability to provide for your family. And I think there were a decent amount of people. Um, well, I'm going to go ahead and throw out the disclaimer. I won't speak for you. I'll throw out the disclaimer. This is this is my perspective, my opinion. It is what it is. That's that's where I'm coming from. I speak for no group of people other than J.K. McLeod. There were a decent amount of people, in my opinion, who were willing to just kind of be like, "All right, whatever. Don't care which side of it you're on." Until we now are at the point where now you're hitting people where it affects, like I said, their ability to provide for their family and different things like that. And now it's like, okay, 
Now it's now let's talk about it. Like the ma- you're talking about the vaccine mandates for correct federal correct. workers or maybe even some employers who are just like, hey, you got to you want to work here, you got to get vaccinated. Yeah, because for a while, you know, there were um, there were definitely arguments with people who were upset where particular businesses were requiring it um, and different things like that. But now I think we can definitely see it's at a different level. So that's one thing that at least helps me try to try to listen first is understanding that the perspective that somebody may be coming at me with specifically on judging me on whether I am or am not vaccinated, like they're going to judge. And I have to remember, number one, this is somebody who potentially has like, they've got some personal stake in this mandate or whatever may be happening. I think something else also is that helps me in conversations with folks, the ones that I choose to engage in, which is a very small percentage, to be quite honest with you, when it comes to this particular topic, is what are we actually discussing here? Because I think, I'm not sure how this is going to come out as far as like how it is in my head versus where it comes out verbally. But if, if I'm getting into a conversation with somebody and I get the idea that they're they're looking at the vaccine as a moral issue, then the, I've got to gauge for myself, do I want to have a conversation about morals? Are we having a conversation about morals? Are we having a conversation about science? Are we having a conversation about following the rules? To me, those are three different conversations. Are they linked? 100%. How be ever? In order to maintain my sanity, I need to separate those into three completely separate conversations and then gauge which one of these is this, and then do I want to have this? Am I willing to put my energy into this right now? I really think that's important what you just said, and I it made me think that on a lot of these co- topics, religion, politics, vaccine, abortion, I mean, every hot topic that's out there right now. I'm not sure anyone is interested. I'm just speaking for myself. I'm just talking out loud. So please don't come at me, everybody. But I don't know if anyone's interested in like truly trying to understand in a lot of these conversations, at least what I see online, which I don't think are very productive at all, are just trying or just like unleashing this anger, which I feel like back to my first point was like, I feel like it's always just been there. We've all just had this grumbling underground of anger and disagreement that is now coming to the forefront. It's now just at the surface and we're all dealing with that. So really what we're seeing is everybody's morals, values, belief systems out in the open. We're all just standing around naked. And I think that (laughs) that is not something we're all, we do or know how to do. So having those conversations, like you said, is like, what, what am I, what am I walking into and what is kind of the end game here? But I don't think we go into that very often. I think the first reaction, at least the what I observe, and sometimes within myself, is defensiveness and mm-hmm. emotional and reactive instead of like, huh, I'm curious, help me understand. Something that I think about is in the now two plus decades that I've been dealing with the general public in some way, shape, or form, whether it's in health and fitness, whether it's in sales or whatever it may be, um, something that's always been um, at the forefront of dealing with what I'll call difficult situations and and really difficult conversations, um, especially when I have a feeling that I'm about to walk into a situation where we could not be further apart 
and where we're coming from with something is first trying to de-escalate that particular situation. And one of the ways that I try to de-escalate a situation is first get an understanding of what is the what is the actual conversation about to be. Uh, what's it? What's this actually about? Like, what are we really upset about here? Because there's there's like the event, and then there's like the feelings behind the event, right? So. I think when it comes to, again, any pick a topic, make it vaccine, make it abortion, make it politics, make it rel- anything that's there, it rarely is ever the thing itself. It's some sort of value or moral, some sort of value. Yeah. Some sort of value or a character judgment that we're attaching to the thing itself. So when when I was in a conversation with somebody who felt like it was completely unfair that people, this person themselves were not affected, but they were talking about individuals that they know who their workplace has said, if you want to continue to come into the office, then you have to be vaccinated. If And they were actually offering a work from home option too, but um, they felt like that was unfair. I could quickly tell that this was going to be a conversation that was about whether or not they felt like the issue was, they felt like the issue was more around like the morals and the values around that. Like what, what kind of world do we live in where a business can mandate or dictate what you're going to do with your body? So that's what they attached it to. Someone else may attach it to it's as straightforward to them. I have like holding up blinders to them. It is they are looking at it as it is science. So when those two people are talking to each other, there's I I can be the person who's the third party looking at this going, this is not going to be a productive conversation because you're not talking about the same thing or you're talking about the same thing, but you're not talking about it from the same standpoint. You're just right, like not. an open mind or seeking to understand versus being understood kind of thing. Yeah. Or, or being or, right. Like that whole, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be happy is kind of the yeah. cliche thing of yeah. going into, and I'm very guilty of that. So I try to keep, I'm, you know, just as a disclaimer, everything I talk about right now, I'm really just taking in myself. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm really guilty sometimes of going in wanting to be right or wanting to be righteous. <laughs> and and I have to take a step back. So I think that's why I think it's important to have these conversations. I know I'm not the only one that struggles with this stuff, but no. I think it's just that because we've seen such, uh, it's so much in our face that I see a lot, and maybe it's you spot it, you got it thing, that I see so much of people wanting to be right because I want to be right, that I'm just like, are we, I mean, where, how can we be productive? And I think the goal of this conversation today is to help us be more productive online in our relationships and being more thoughtful with how we approach conversations because I don't know if the right way, right, is to go into these conversations at all with with a, a goal of trying to maybe convince someone of your perspective or, you know, when we I, I've stopped posting stuff about the vaccine or about hot topics that are kind of more of that persuasive view, because I don't think that does anything. I can post things about what I stand for, but I won't post anything that's like, see, watch this, I don't know, a big soliloquy about why people should get vaccinated. Yeah. I won't do it. 
because it, it does nothing for my energy. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to convince one darn person to get vaccinated. And that's, to me, I'm like, so I can post things that I stand for, because that's like a value thing. And I think it's important. But yeah, I think that something that also comes to mind as you were talking about, you know, what you post and things like that is even even when you're simply posting what you believe in or what your opinion is, what your what you believe to be important, I think something that helps me maintain some sort of a, a, a level head is understanding that because something that I post may be in a public forum, it still doesn't mean that I'm trying to talk to absolutely everybody. Just because That's something true. that I post on my Instagram can be seen sure. by mil- by millions. I, who am I kidding? I think like 200 people see what I post. You but- have like a bazillion people that are just <laughs> lurking. Know. They're lurking. You know, I don't even know how many followers I have. I have no idea. Um, but just because it can be seen by a certain number of people doesn't mean that I intend it to be for every single person that sees it. And at the end of the day, all I'm trying to do is simply, hey, here's something that I'm passionate about. Here's something, a message that I want to share, whatever it may be. Like Just because the visibility is available to everyone, it's like throwing a million footballs. Or I'm sorry, it's like having a million wide receivers. I was only trying to throw to two. I'm, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's just what that's the age of the internet these days too. Yeah, you know. So can you imagine being a famous person like a Kardashian with 300 million followers and the stuff that they must and the stuff that comes back? I always think about that too. Where I'm like, oh my gosh, famous people. I I don't know how they. May, I'm sure they just don't read. They have people. They pay people to read their comments and delete them, or <laughs> you know whatever. But yeah, I think that that's just you see probably the there's good and bad. You probably see a lot of really bad people out there. But um, let's let's I guess kind of like wrap that topic up and move on to mm-hmm. the next one. I guess maybe like bullet point for a help me understand perspective on the big pieces that we disagree with. What would be like one or two that you feel like are the most important? Is maybe like thinking about why you're going into a conversation. Yeah. So in just in kind of in general, when it comes to really hot topic type issues or issues that can be highly controversial and maybe in past experience lead to very, let's call them passionate responses or whatnot. Uh, number one, gauge the environment that you're in. And uh, before engaging in the conversation, no matter what that particular topic is, if you know it's a controversial topic and you're in an environment that maybe specifically even talking like a work environment, just think about what is the purpose of having the conversation, that controversial conversation in general. If you do choose to engage in the conversation, and these are, I'm basically talking to myself here. If I choose to have that conversation with the person, try and gain an understanding of where is that person coming from? So which one of those kind of lanes are we coming from? Again, if I sense that somebody's attaching a sense of values to a particular act or a particular thing, and that's what they want to talk about, and there's this underlying value that they're attaching it to it, then my response is going to be geared towards understanding that this is a passionate issue for them. So something like, uh, let's say something like drinking, like alcohol, maybe that person disagrees with people drinking and it's because they have experience with family members who'd struggled with abuse. 
alcohol abuse. So that's something that they attach to values and it's a very painful experience for them. So thinking before going into that conversation, if I get that sense, then it may not be a conversation that I need to have. If I do choose to have that conversation, then have the conversation understanding that there's a level of passion that person has behind that. Just be willing to understand that that's what you've decided to engage. It's not the thing, it's the values and the the, the kind of the moral piece that they're assigning to the thing that you're actually about to have a conversation about. Yeah, there's more to it. There's oh, always yeah. more to it. There's always I rarely there's always going to be people that are trying to be jerks, but rarely are people coming at all of these conversations just trying to piss you off. <laughs> you know, like most of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. Okay, I I really like that a lot. So, moving on to the next topic that I felt was just like a theme that came up with listeners was boundaries yeah. with family. Um yeah. maybe in-laws, maybe parents, maybe relatives is setting boundaries. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I this one. Oh boy. I'm it to you. <laughs> I know to kick us off. The, the hot topics. <laughs> And I did, did I also throw out the disclaimer that I'm a human too, and yeah. I have family and those well, things? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I put you on a pedestal a little bit, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> Don't worry. You're Don't worry. That's about to get knocked up now. <laughs> so uh, I cannot take credit for this. I always, I always am really cognizant of making sure that I identify, like I heard this somewhere. I listened to this. Maybe it's piss somebody off. Maybe it's a Rachel Hollis complex just because, you know, she copied like a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, but, Rachel, you, uh, uh, the Rachel Hollis. Oh, yes, I'm familiar. Yeah, she I have. I yeah. So um, <laughs> there's actually, we won't get into that. To- that's a separate topic. That's a that's separate, a separate t- you know, I just, I just am not seeking to understand. I, I, I have a really hard time with helping me understand Rachel Hollis. Okay. But well, I, <laughs> So based on so based on that experience I do think it's important to always give credit where credit is due when yes. you're quoting people and pulling particular things. So cite your sources. Yeah, in some conversation that I was in or some piece of content that I was listening to, one of the best pieces of perspective that I was given is remember that boundaries are not specifically for the other person. Boundaries are for you. And when I really think about that, especially as it relates to family specifically, because I think that dynamic of family is the difficulty is rarely are you in a situation where you can just cut somebody off. That is just for many people, including myself, that's not the reality of the situation, especially if you're talking about in-laws and extended family, because especially with that, you want to be able to have them maintain some sort of relationship. Most likely you want to try and have them maintain relationship with like kids and grandkids and stuff like that. So I think something that I think about is when I think about boundaries, not being for the other person, they're truly for me. I think about when we set up a boundary, if we think of it like it's a physical thing, like a fence, don't think about what's happening on the outside of that fence. Like I ask myself, I literally... I truly ask myself, what am I trying to protect? So if I'm setting up the boundary, like what's the boundary for? The boundary isn't for the world outside of the fence. The boundary is so that I can maintain the integrity of my house. So my house being my kids, my wife, my family, or our family, you know, like that sort of thing. So as I think about that, then it becomes, I'm going to, for lack of a better way to put it, it becomes easier because 
the focus is on protecting what's inside the boundary, not putting my energy into what's outside of that. So then when those conversations need to be had around, hey, I think that we're going to need to kind of change how things have been going. Here's why. I can make it much more about um, using an example um, for my kids. I feel like it's really important that particular language is not used around them because you know this is a a rule that we've established is no foul language, or something that we really try to work on is being kind, or something that we work on is sharing, whatever it may be, and because that's something that. It, our house is all about in order for you to get into this house like you've got to be able to do that and right now i understand that that's just not where you're at so when you get to that point cool maybe we can work on changing what that boundary is but that boundary i think it becomes easier to speak to or at least better you're better equipped to really hold fast to that boundary when you don't make it about the other person's behavior you make it about solidifying and truly standing up for what you've said your house is all about versus I'm focusing on the fence itself. Mm-hmm. That's really good. That's good. And what? how do you handle when someone might be upset because you set a boundary or they get their feelings hurt? Mm, I let them know that I hear them and I understand that they're upset. My priority is still my priority. I I hesitated a little on that just because, again, the way that I look at it is this isn't about you. This is about what's important to me. This is about what's important to my family. So I've already established that that's what the priority is. So I understand that you're upset. I hear you. It still doesn't change, though, that the priority is my family. Like that's the priority, I mm-hmm. guess, if we're specifically talking about tough situations with family members. Right. Because I, the reason I asked that is I just, I'm thinking of just some examples in either life or my therapy practice where people often say, well, I don't, I just don't want to hurt their feelings. It, it would be easier for me to just let it go because I don't want to deal with the fallout of this person getting upset. And it's like, yeah, that's really difficult. So you kind of have to make that decision of tolerating that that person just might be upset with you. And I think that's just a whole nother discussion too, of like how much you can tolerate when other people are mad. And that is, you know, something else to work on. But, um, but it's important because it is that piece of protecting you, protecting your family, protecting your house. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's not just like, Oh, just set these boundaries because there's so much more that goes into family dynamics. And it's not like you can just weed the garden, like they say with friends, where they're like, weed the garden, cut out friends that just no longer serve you. Like this is family. And especially I just don't want to gloss over either that there's a lot that goes into different family dynamics or cultural pieces that play into how families operate. Um, there's certain relationships, let's say with mothers and daughters that a cultural piece may be that mom knows everything and calls five times a day. And that is just the norm. Right. And where someone else might say, well, gosh, I don't talk to my mom. So I think there's just a lot too that I always try to be mindful of. It's like, well, you have to kind of also figure out like what is doable within your family and what are the dynamics that are respected in your family, you know? So me as a white chick that was grew up Catholic, you know, I just, that's not a template that I would give someone 
who grew up Asian American and maybe they yeah. hold those values differently in their household. So I think that that's a piece too to consider when you're kind of looking at your whole and boundaries and and what feels respectful, but also what you were saying is like protecting your house. I think I think also what I hear you talking about is really what I've uh, who was it? I remember I think it was Eric Thomas who talked to, talks about repositioning, and I think that that's something that can be helpful too because I agree the whole just cut them off. You know, it's a I'm not talking to you anymore. You can't hang out with me like that. That's not necessarily realistic, especially in a family dynamic. And especially when you're talking about, you're not saying that it's someone that you don't want in your atmosphere. It's just that there are particular areas where maybe they're getting into a particular area that you don't want them involved in because they just have a different set of values than you do in this particular area. There's things that they allow that you're not really cool with, uh, especially when it comes to like in-laws and kids and that can get really tough. So I think the idea of repositioning can be helpful also, you know, understanding that it also kind of goes both ways too. So when you are establishing those boundaries, especially if it's somebody that you've got a relationship that you depend on things or depend on them for things and maintaining that relationship, that understanding that you can't tell somebody like, hey, I'd like you to basically, you're saying you'd like them to take a bit more of a reduced role or, you know, I want, I feel like the impact that you're having is is something that I need to kind of reposition here. You also can't turn around the next day and call that person and tell them you need them to start doing more in this other area. So fair is fair here. <laughs> you know, you can't expect them to just all of a sudden be like, okay, well, great. I've accepted this new role. Like to your right. point, that takes time and- mm -hmm. It takes a lot and of work and practice. Effort. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I also think maybe this, I don't know if this is a gender thing. What do you think about this? I often find with females, mostly, we tend to over explain why we can't do something. For example, hey, Joy, can you do this this weekend? No, I can't because da 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 like it's paragraphs of why. I spend yeah. a lot of time, again, in my therapy practice, teaching people to just say, no, I can't. And I, I'm laughing just because it's like, we, it sounds so simple, but it takes a lot for us to just be like, no, sorry, I can't make it. And I've, I mean, I'm speaking for, for myself too. I took a lot of years to just say, no, I can't without having to explain, explain, explain why I can't. That guilt, you're just kind of spewing guilt, right. uh, especially like on text messages too, where I see that happen a lot, where it's just like, <laughs> just say you can't do it. And that's a boundary, you know, no is a complete sentence or just no, I'm mm -hmm. sorry, I can't make it. Maybe next time. Done. I think this actually relates to what we first started talking about, though, where I think that some people, some people do this and some people don't. I think some people just attach. It can't be as simple as a no. So if you called me and said like, hey, uh, we're having some friends over on Friday. Love it if you could come over. No, no, thanks. Okay, I could leave it at that. How be ever, you're probably gonna in my many people would not take that as a complete sentence, right? Because then it's the well, you're saying no. Well, why can't you? Well, no, I've got some other things going on. So you, that's usually the response. Oh, I've got a couple of things going on, so no, I'm not. I'm not going to be able to make it. Thank you for inviting me, though. Definitely let me know next time, whatever it may be. But some people that that's not the answer that works for them because they will immediately go into kind of the spiral of thinking with, 
wow, they said no. Does that mean that they don't like me? I've done so much for them. And then it turns into like this whole long thing. But that person on the other side who said no, that's, I think that's where what you're talking about, where you have to become okay with no being the complete sentence. You can't always be responsible for the story that the other person is making up. Now, if you straight up lied to them, then I think that's kind of on you. If you were like, no, I can't go because I have this thing going on, and then you don't really have that thing going on. I also think it's okay to just be completely honest with people and let them know if there's, you know, I'm just not feeling it tonight. Like I'm I'm just not. But I think I think again it, it kind of goes to that first point. Some people attach a lot more value and kind of create a story behind certain things that doesn't actually need to be there. But that's also on the flip side, what makes some people fantastic. Cause I am the person who will just say, uh, thanks for the invite. I'll be straight up with you. I'm just not really feeling like doing that. And it's all good. However, I need people in my life who do have the story behind that because there are times where maybe I do need to just get up and get out and go do something. Mm, that's fair. And so they push a little, push a little more. Yeah. So I think that I, I see the flips. I see both perspectives. Like that's just kind of how I live. I see both yeah. perspectives, but I'm very appreciative of the people who are willing to understand that sometimes no just means, yeah, I'm not really feeling it right now. And it's not a judgment of, how I feel about you or your house or anything like that. Yeah. Like don't want to, yeah. You don't want to hurt feelings, but you also just kind of have to take care of yourself too. I, I, that's a great point around you need the people to push you as well. Cause I'm that same way. I'm super introverted. I don't like a lot of plans. I can probably get my social fill after uh, off of like two (laughs) nights out a month. (laughs) Pretty, pretty introverted. You know, I've started to make a joke about it with a lot of my friends, like Claire knows. And it, and I think like that's a great way too for people to, I don't know, not everyone has to do it, but I think it's just nice to make jokes around. Maybe that seems silly to some, but Claire always says like, I know when joy is like full, we call it full. I get that from mom Sandy, where you've like filled up and you can't take in any more information as I just start walking ahead of everybody. And Claire's mm-hmm. like, I know it's a telltale sign when Joy's like done is she just leaves the pack and she's just walking by herself. <laughs> like, duly noted. Yeah. Duly, duly <laughs> and it's noted no offense to anybody. Case. I mean, yeah. I mean we, we did a, a retreat or a Girls Gone Wad trip years mm-hmm. ago at Camp Timeout. I requested, and this was not a diva thing at all, but it was like, it was available and I asked for it. I was like, I won't go on this trip unless I have my own room. Because it was like a bunk yeah. situation. And I couldn't deal with the stimulation of knowing that there were that many people around me. I needed time to just be in a room by myself. And they did it. It was great. But like, that's an example of me just being like, I can go on this trip, but I will need a space where I can leave and go be alone in a room and collect my thoughts and like download and then come back. Yeah, I'm I'm much along the same lines. I would say that one of the the things that I've come to try to help other people understand is even though people like myself, and I think you're kind of like this too, based on what you've said, just people like ourselves who maybe don't always feel like we have to attend every single event and have to be in the middle of every party or whatever it may be. And there's probably some of my friends who, if, if they listen to this, like back from college, you're gonna be like, "What do you mean, not in the middle of everything?" Uh, but they're um, like, "You were the attention seeker." Stop lying. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it was that guy. Um, 
I think that the the advantage can be we really value the conversations that we do have and we do va- we really value and pour a lot into the interactions that we do have like they're meaningful interactions there typically are not a lot of interactions that are what I call like just kind of space fillers and throwaways so just as much as I value those people that are the party starters and can get things going I think you also should value the people that do the drop-ins like drop in you know an hour after the party starts and leave two hours before it's over because they're also the people that add a ton of value too so i think that's that can be helpful and i try to keep all sorts of those people around me too like if you had a whole party at just me it would be really really super dry yeah really super dry well i think it'd be i think it'd be very interesting we'd be all very enlightened but i get what you mean it's the variety (laughs) and our differences is what makes the world go round. And I think that this, yeah, again, what we really need to be reminded of is that even in these big conversations and the hot topic conversations, that if we all thought the same, life would be so boring. Okay, last question. I can't believe we're almost out of time already, but yeah, the wow. last question is going to be kind of brief, just because we are out of time, is to how to find new motivation with a job that has lost its spark. Ooh. Yeah. I wish that I could say this is a shocking question, but it's not. It's not at all. And I think this can be, this is a tough one. So what I will share is from my perspective, when I've been in situations like that, I flip it to ask myself, how can I utilize this job, this position, this whatever to my advantage right now? Like, how can I utilize this to my advantage? So where I really turned the page many years ago, especially being able to survive in health and fitness and in sales and retail for as long as I have, has been to really look at what I do as more than just whatever that position says it is. So yeah, I write workouts for people, but to me, it's more than just writing workouts for people. How does that contribute to that particular person? Then how does that help me as an individual? Like, what can I learn? So when it comes to feeling unmotivated at a job for some in, in some way, shape, or form, and I think at the end of the day, you've also got to deal with like what is leading to that lack of motivation. Um, and you guys just did a, a fantastic episode around like job, I'll call it like your work situation, your work environment. Yeah. I, I think that was a a fantastic deep dive. Thank you. So I would definitely reference people back to that. But yeah, that was in on the meantime, this is Joy and Claire. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, kind of like the while you wait, like while you're working through things, how can you utilize that job to your advantage? If you're really feeling unmotivated because you have a long commute to work and that's what you really dread, what can you do during that commute to work? Who can you call for 10 minutes on that 45 minute commute that usually puts a like a bit of a brighter spot in your day. What's a podcast you can listen to on the way to work? I used to commute two hours to Chicago to work. I remember that. And I sometimes would go into work and just feel like, oh, but it had nothing to do really with the job. It was the fact that it was a two hour commute, but I started doing things differently before I got there. And then when you're at work, just try to, what I try to do is try to break break the day up into chunks. So whether you get a break or you don't get a break or whatever the case may be, like break it up into chunks and kind of go back to where we started with, you know, how's the day going right now? Well, right now it's about an eight out of 10. Like right now I'm at about a nine. So we're, we're on the upswing. Things are looking good. 
So same thing at work, like try to break it up into smaller chunks. But my whole thing is like flip it and try to think, how can I use this position to my advantage, even if it's outside of work? So if you interact with people that are really angry, rude, and irrational all day, what is that? How can you use that to your advantage? Well, you know what it does? It makes me much more thankful for a couple of other people in my life who are not angry, irrational, or rude. So after I get out of work, I'm going to shoot one of those people a text and just say, yo, thanks for being a pretty decent human. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, and breaking it up into chunks is good. Also, like finding maybe new projects that you can get involved in or starting something if your workplace allows it. I don't know if that's doable because I don't know what kind of field, but I would do things like that. Or if I got bored, I would try to, or if it lost, if I lost motivation, let's say, I would try to get involved in things extra, kind of going the extra mile or meeting new people that I never met in the organization and trying to connect with them and seeing what they were working on and trying to expand your network. But I agree. How can you use it to your advantage now? Yeah. I think especially if you're looking for another job, like you feel Mm -hmm. unmotivated in this one. Yeah. I also would say if you're feeling unmotivated, I cannot, I, I can't stress it enough. Try to work through why you're feeling unmotivated. Is it that you feel like the job is now mundane and you feel like you're just kind of hamster wheel? Okay. I don't know a whole lot of bosses, managers, leaders. Those are all three different things. P.S. So I don't know a whole lot of managers position-wise that are out there who would be really upset if somebody were to say, you know, I'm looking for some feedback on something either I can do better, or is there maybe a stretch assignment that I can possibly take on? Because I I really like to work towards mastery or whatever it may be. Right. Versus, you know, you gotta you do gotta play the game a little bit, like walking up and going, "I'm bored." Yeah, uh, right. I'm bored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm bored. <laughs> I also had a mentor at one point in my job that had me take the Clifton Strengths Finder. Have you ever taken that? Yes. Yes. I'm deeply, deeply connected with that. Are you? That Strengths Finder assessment. Yes. We should have someone on who's like a master in that. Yeah. Do you happen off the top of your head, do you happen to remember like one of your top ones? Oh, yeah. I remember all five of the top. Oh, okay. Deliberative. So the thinker. um, Restorative. Strategic. Futuristic and belief. Wow. So attached to values, futuristic thinker, but deliberative was my number one. So I do a ton of thinking, a ton of information gathering so that when it's time to finally make a decision, I've already pretty much kind of thought about it all the way through. And it's usually attached. The belief comes in super, super clear. It's usually attached to some sort of like value piece. Oh, I would want you on my team. Mine, I only remember the top two and I need to, I have it on my computer, so I need to review Uh it again. But my first one was futuristic, and my second oh, yeah. one was yep. competition. <laughs> <laughs> I could, so, oh man. So, listeners funny. who aren't familiar, futuristic really just has to do with you're thinking ahead. You're always in the future. You're kind of a planner, but you're thinking 10 steps ahead of everybody. Not of everybody, but you're just kind of, you're thinking futuristic. But then com- competitive really is that competition drives you. It's not that you're trying to beat anybody, but you do enjoy an environment where competition is present. And I thought that was really interesting. So the Clifton Strengths Finder, you just Google it. I do believe yeah. there's a fee associated with it because I remember my coach had to give me like a login. So I don't know if it's, it's a, I don't think there's a free version, but just if you're interested, yeah, I thought it was very helpful and it takes quite some 
time to fill it out. It's so ironic because I just ordered it for somebody yesterday. <laughs> so it's That's like so 30, it's like 25, 30 bucks. You can get it on Amazon. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really like the idea of being able to identify your strengths and then you you work from there. So yes. Yeah. I think, I think there's it's a lot a of value in that. And I, it's, yeah, it's different from, I don't ever want to crap on personality tests, but I, as a therapist, I find them just so overused and used in the wrong ways. Sure. It's great to get information about yourself, but I, I just have a lot of thoughts around it. But I think that when you take tests like this, that are really focused on how you show up to work and your work styles, I yes. find those really helpful for jobs and job satisfaction, and especially bosses and managers and leaders to look at your employees to say, oh, this person, this is how they work. And this is what I want to pull from and really utilize this person's strength. So the, the listener who wrote in with that question, maybe that would be helpful for you too, if you haven't done one. something like that already, to give yourself a boost to say, oh, this is why I'm lacking motivation is because this area of me is not being lit up. Yeah, I think that's a a great just overall just to kind of wrap that up i i also agree um and it's funny that you say you hate personality tests or where you feel about personality yes. tests because yeah, totally what i base yeah. my training on yeah but the the way that i try to communicate it to people is when you look at things like whether it's the strengths finder or whatever it is i think that where i see those things misused is they put people into a box Mm-hmm. And then you have to stay in that box versus use it as a box, like as a platform, literally to jump off of. Like, yes. okay, here's where we can kind of start from. And then we kind of navigate our way through. Because I remember working for someone who, prior to sharing my Strengths Finder stuff with them, they were routinely frustrated with me. And it was because their number one was Activator. They were somebody who liked to see things done immediately. And to them, movement meant progress. Mm. So physically running, if I ran around like my hair was on fire, they would feel like I was doing my job. Whereas my number one was more the thinker. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm working the yeah, so two completely That's different styles. No, I like the yeah. platform to jump off on. And what I think bugs me, and this is just a personal quirk I have around it, is people use it as excuses sometimes. Well, I'm just a blah blah blah, and this is just who I am. And it's like, well, and you can work through th- some things as well. We can all kind of work on our weaknesses or the things that we sure. don't do very often. So that's kind of where I get a little bit annoyed. So wrapping this discussion up, listeners, we'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love to see if you have more questions for us because uh, I might have to wrangle JK back on the show for more help me understand (laughs) topics because I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy the perspective and the discussion on this deeper level. If you haven't yet checked out his podcast, the Help Me Understand podcast, it is available on all podcast platforms, just like all of our podcasts are. And tell our listeners, JK, where they can find you on the socials. Easiest place is on Instagram. I'm at coach JK underscore the muscle feed. And that's it for this week, listeners. Thank you again so much for resubscribing and subscribing to our podcast. Share it with a friend and give us your feedback. You can find us joy and Claire underscore on Instagram. You can email us girlsgonewad at gmail.com or you can find us on the internet girlsgonewadpodcast.com. Till next week. Thank you guys. Like we do it.